going on everybody welcome to the first episode of the new year this is nrs not rocket science the show that blends together the intersection between tech and culture how are you doing in this 2019 new year it is sunday the 6th of January. This is my first go at this thing in the new year. I feel like it's been forever since I've done one of these because I uh, doubled up before the holidays and did two in a row. I either did them back to back or I skipped a day. But the point is, is I did two in a row and took a long break. I didn't really want to take a long break necessarily, but I wasn't here at home, I was uh, at my other home at my parental's house in New Jersey. That was fun. That was fun. But uh, I'm kind of glad to be back in a way. In a way. Um, not really that happy to be back in the workflow as far as doing my long-ass commute and all that stuff. But I am... Glad to get back on some sort of routine because I stayed eating over these holidays. I don't know. When you have a mom that likes to cook and a grandma that also likes to cook in one place, there's going to be a lot of food going on, a lot of desserts. Man, there were a couple days this break where I kind of ate till I felt sick. And I have not done that in a very long time. I used to do that pretty frequent, more frequently than I want to admit. But um, since I've kind of been watching my diet and everything, I've been uh, pretty good about that. I have not overeaten much um, over these past few months, especially. Nope, that all went back to crap over this break. Because my mom made these cookies. Do you guys know these cookies? The ones with the... uh, They're basically made out of dried noodles. Not like spaghetti noodles. The uh, Asian noodles. Like the thick, crunchy ones. um, That they use kind of as like toppings. That they break up and make certain foods more crunchy. Or you can cook them. You take those things and you kind of cluster them together. And you put chocolate on them, um, like really rich chocolate. So that's kind of this like cluster of chocolate sticks. Those cookies killed me over the break. I probably had a hundred of those stupid things. And uh, I got David's cookies for Christmas from my girlfriend's parents. I got all kinds of stocking stuffers with like chocolate and coconut 
I also got two CBD oils. That's a first. Um, both from the same brand. Shoutouts to Charlotte's Web. Uh, I got the olive oil and the mint chocolate. I have not had the mint chocolate yet, but I have been taking the olive oil. It's really good. It's light. It's not uh, The flavor is not that intense, and it actually does taste like olive oil. And so far, so good. I mean, I've only taken it for a few days now, so I don't know when the effects are supposed to kick in. Um, I have been sleeping a little better, though, so far. I have noticed that. I'm waking up a lot less in the middle of the night and things of that nature. And I feel like uh, I am dreaming a little bit more, but, you know, whatever. This could be placebo effect for all I know. I think I got to take it for a lot longer um, to kind of report back to whether or not there's any real takeaways from this stuff. Um, but I've been wanting to try it for a while, had it on my Santa list, and uh, got it. So excited about that. Got some other cool stuff. I got this cool hot sauce pack that has like seven hot sauces in it, and they're from food trucks in various places, I think mostly in California. I thought that was a really cool idea from a business standpoint. It's a way for uh, these really small kind of food truck businesses to get distribution on some of their products, which is usually like a hot sauce because you're not going to be shipping tacos in boxes, right? So that was cool. Just from a business standpoint, I was like, oh, that's interesting because I think it's hard for these guys to get their standalone hot sauces on shelves at major stores, but... I guess it becomes a lot more attractive to the retail outlets if you package them together as an assortment of hot sauces. And it's cool. The box looked like a food truck. So it was like a food truck box with the seven hot sauces in it. And they're really good so far. I've been impressed. I think I've only tried two of them, though. But that's another present that I got that I thought was pretty cool. But anyway, holidays were great, but kind of a mess from a routine and scheduling standpoint. I still am off on my uh, gym time because once I got back, I've just been kind of like blitzed every day and exhausted and transitioning back into a schedule. So I've been doing some workouts at home, but I really haven't had that much time to go to the gym yet. Um, Next week, I'm trying to fix that and get my out-of-shape tuchus to the... uh, weight machines, treadmills, and free weights ASAP, but alas, I'm still here. However, and what I'm going to talk about today on this show is the power of how technology can influence routines because through all of that, all of that gluttony, all of that grossness, all of that deliciousness, all of that me falling off my gym routine-ness, I still managed to eat within my designated calorie window and maintain my intermittent fasting schedule. Now, I kind of cheated a little bit. There are two days where I sort of fell off um, a little, which was Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Christmas Eve especially, I did not hit a full 16 hours on my fast, but I did like 15 hours, 20 minutes, good enough. And with Christmas, I'm not exactly sure if I hit 16 or not, but I'm within that half-hour window, too. But other than that, every day, no problem, hit the 16 hours. 
And what I want to talk about today is how technology can influence your habits because I am a weak, weak, weak person when it comes to willpower. I do not have willpower. I do not have the power to, you know, suppress my desires or whatever. I don't have that. I'm weak-minded probably because I'm on Instagram too much. I'm on Twitter too much. I'm on my phone too much. I used to watch TV too much till I got rid of it. If it's not there, if it's not there, I can cut it. Like I don't buy lots of junk food, so I haven't been eating lots of junk food. Junk food because it hasn't been available. But if I were to buy junk food and try to suppress eating it, um, or binge eating it at least, because I would still eat it. Obviously, I bought it. I, I'd expect to eat it, but like binge eating it in one session, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd eat all of it right away. Pizza, I haven't been ordering pizza lately. If I ordered a pizza, I would eat at least four slices. At least, but usually more than that. I am a full-blown glutton um, with terrible habits, terrible discipline. However, when it comes to the, I guess, goal that I set months back about, you know, I want to hit 12 to 15% body fat in 2019, preferably early, like first quarter, um... And I'm still on a decent track to do that because of technology. So today I wanted to kind of dedicate the show about how using certain apps on my phone has helped me maintain my discipline um, when it comes to this fasting and calorie counting stuff. And some other fitness apps that I've heard about. I know other people that have used I have downloaded and demoed, um, but haven't used long form myself. But just to give some awareness on certain things, depending on your goals, everyone has different fitness goals. Some people need to lean up. Some people want to put on mass. Some people want to just take up a new activity like running, um, swimming, etc. Some people just want to temporarily diet, which is what all fitness people like to bitch and complain about because it's not for real it's not a lifestyle it's only temporary temporarily but with me it's like i don't care man do what you want to do do what you want to do i feel like it's other people's jobs just to help you accomplish your goals but it's your goals kind of like christmas shopping not to toot my own horn or anything but people always are like, oh my god, you you get me like the best gifts over and over again. You're the best of all time. You're the Messiah. Do you have a call? Can I join? Etc. Um, and when it comes to buying Christmas presents for people, I always just try to get people what I think they want. It's kind of the worst way to practice empathy in a lot of ways. But... To me, it's an effective way to be empathetic to the other person and put yourself in their shoes. Because the worst thing you can do when it comes to buying presents is like giving them something that you think they could use. A lot of people do that. A lot of people buy people things that they think they should be using because they see a problem in them 
from their standpoint, not from that person's standpoint. It's like when you buy someone a healthy eating cookbook because you're worried about their weight or you don't like the way someone dresses and now they got their first job out of college, so you buy them a bunch of stuffy corporate clothes. Stuff like that. No one wants that. When someone's out of college and they get their first job, they want to be in control of what they wear at their first job on their first day at the job. They don't want someone else making those decisions for them. Um, so that's always what I try to think about in a, and think about avoid doing when I shop for presents. And I feel like when it comes to diet goals, fitness goals, hashtag gains bra, it's kind of the same thing. Some people want to kind of adapt a fitness lifestyle. Some people just want to drop a few pounds and then get back to drinking their margaritas. I don't really care. It doesn't affect me either way. So there's a path to both goals. And I just want to help people with that. So that being said, to me, the most powerful thing you can do. If you if your goal is losing weight, just losing weight, getting that body fat percentage down, which is important. Because when someone has checks their, their body mass index body fat percentage doesn't really factor into your BMI. And that's the biggest mistake. BMI is total bullshit. Um, Never take BMI seriously. It's your body fat percentage for your height, weight, and age is what matters. Um, Because you can be super skinny fat, have a good BMI, but not be healthy. So with me, when it comes to losing weight and getting your body fat percentage down, the two apps you absolutely need to have are uh, an app for intermittent fasting and an app for MyFitnessPal. You don't need the intermittent fasting thing, but if you do it and you get in a routine, it is so much easier to lose weight than if you're just trying to calorie count all day. Now, it's harder. It's a different lifestyle change. Um, you probably have to drop some sort of meal that you're used to having daily. But what you come to learn is you don't really need at least, like these big three meals a day. You do not need that. I don't eat breakfast. I can't remember the last time I had real breakfast, like with like sausage and eggs and toast or like pancakes and waffles or even healthier stuff like, uh, like some fruit and some um, avocado toast and some juice, something like that. I don't do any of that. I don't eat anything until my fast is complete because the way I do it is I turn my fasting app on, which I'll get to in a second, at night. And then I let it run 16 hours and then usually... Somewhere between 1 and 3 o'clock, I hit that 16 hours, and then I um, and then I start to eat. Then I'll have lunch. So I'll have lunch, and then I'll get home from work, and then around, I'm kind of a late eater, so 8 or 9 o'clock, I'll eat dinner, and then I'll turn the app back on, um, my fasting back on. And in between lunch and dinner, I might have a snack, um, Sometimes unhealthy, sometimes healthy. Sometimes it'll just be like a tangerine. Sometimes it'll be some nuts. Sometimes it'll be like some chocolatey bullshit. It all depends on the day and how I'm feeling. But uh, 
if you're trying to lose weight, to me that formula of skipping breakfast, eating lunch, eating dinner, for me it's very effective. Um, you can switch that up if you want. You can eat like breakfast, lunch, and kind of skip dinner and just eat a snack for dinner. But I find it personally, what's hard would be eating breakfast and eating dinner and like skipping lunch unless you had some substantial snacks. But then you go light on the breakfast and dinner. That is all possible, all doable. For me, what works is I naturally do not need to eat anything in the morning, something I discovered. I kind of always knew it in the back of my head because I always hated eating breakfast on like weekdays when I have to get to school or something I always hated that um it never really felt good but I did it anyway so that was the obvious thing to cut when I started doing this months ago at this point and it's worked out great I do not need to eat anything however what you can have um other than water you can drink water anytime obviously but uh you can have and this is kind of like a point of debate within like the intermittent fasting community. But you can have um, black tea or black coffee or green tea. Basically, just regular tea with no extra additives, um, no honey, no sugar, none of that stuff, no milk. And same with coffee. You can have coffee, but no sugar, no milk, no cream, no half and half no almond milk, nothing else. Now, purists will say that's not true. You can't have any of that. But these things, A, have zero calories, so it doesn't even matter. And if you're doing it for the dietary standpoint, it doesn't matter. Um, however, there have been studies with rats where they've had nothing other than water for 12 hours. And then after 12 hours, they would switch to eating so they basically do real 12-hour fasts with no tea and coffee because rats don't eat tea and coffee. And the health benefits were off the charts. I don't want to talk about this so much because or too much because I'm not a doctor. Um, but it's it's been on big podcasts. I think uh, it's been on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think like that Dr. Rhonda Patrick's lady has gone in depth with this. Some other podcasts I've heard about these same studies. But basically, there's some crazy, crazy, crazy health benefits in rats if you don't eat if they didn't didn't eat 12 hours however rats metabolisms are totally different from humans and i think they're a lot faster so i don't know if there are any real benefits but just after hearing that it kind of got in my head so what i like to do is go 12 hours with nothing i go 12 hours just water and sleep that's it and then the last four hours of my fast i allow myself to have black tea just plain black tea um, and then when I hit 16 hours, usually I go farther than 16 hours. Most days I'll go to like 17 at least, and then I'll eat and have whatever. Um, but what I like to do is go up to 12 hours with nothing. And then four hours of my fast, I allow myself to have some tea. I don't drink coffee. Um, so that's why I don't drink coffee. I would have coffee too if, if I drank coffee, but I don't really like coffee. So I don't drink any coffee. I just have black tea in that four-hour window, and then I'm good. But question is, how am I able to do this? And I've touched up on it on this podcast before, but never really in depth. Um, I did a lot of research when I first started because I knew I needed something to kind of help me 
with this intermittent fasting thing, I knew I wasn't um, going to be able to just do it myself and just track things in my head. Because that's how you fall apart. When you have this much stuff going on in your head, it tends to all fall apart because we're not really that good when it comes to discipline. We're not really, unless you had training in like Navy SEALs or something, we're not really that good at remembering numbers in our heads. And we're also not that honest with ourselves. You know, you have that bad guy coming into your head, that good angel, bad angel. And that bad angel will talk you into some shit, let me tell you. Um, so I knew I needed some kind of app. There were a couple apps about intermittent fasting that kind of help you with it. I heard the Zero One being endorsed by people who know a lot more about this stuff than me on blogs, doctors, scientists, etc. So I downloaded the Zero app, um, and it's been good. It's very simple, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Certain aspects of it from the user experience side of things I think is a little overly simplistic. I think they could go a little more into depth with it. Um, but all in all, the design's pretty nice. Slightly dated, I could say. Just the fonts they use. I'm looking at it right now. I have it open. And I'm in my fast, by the way. As I'm doing this podcast, I am 16 hours, 29 minutes, and 34 seconds into my fast. And I'm going to be eating something when I'm done with this thing. That is for damn sure. Um, But basically how it works is it opens. If you're not fasting, there will be a little hero section at the top of the app that will say, like, today's a wonderful day to fast. Hi, Sean, in my case, how are you? Um, and then there's a big button that says start fasting and you hit it and it says stop fasting. And right above that, there's a start and goal timeline with a progress bar. And that's really important because it's a really quick way when you open your app to kind of see your progress. I open this thing throughout the day when I'm fasting all the time, even though I'm used to it. I'm used to go 16 hours when you have that feedback, just that available, you tend to kind of use it as a bit of a crutch in certain ways. So I'm constantly just opening my phone, checking where I'm at, 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. Usually I check it a lot, That those last 2 to 3 hours, I would say. When I'm like 13, 14 hours into the fast, that's when the hunger pangs continue. Some days it's worse than others. Um, but overall, you might get at some point, you're going to get some sort of like hunger pain. You're going to check where you're at. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable. But they're not that severe. They're not that scary. And they do go away relatively quickly. But that being said, having this progress bar was a really good uh, design decision because I don't even have to look at anything else. I don't even have to look at the time. I can just look at the bar and see roughly where I'm at. And then the time's also right there clicking away right above it so it's very easy to just look at that one section and get most of your value um so once you're in your fast you'll have your your goal saying 16 hours there's also other goals there's 12 hours there's uh let's see here if you go into settings the top left there's fasting type there's the 16 hour fast there's the 13 hour circadian rhythm fast um that's based on dr sachin panda Sachin Panda is the, the doctor who also did um, conducted that rat study that I talked about earlier. So if you want to learn more about that, look up like 
rat study fasting Dr. Sachin Panda. Um, his name is spelt Dr. Dr. Obviously, and then and then and then S A T C H I N. So like sat down and then chin and then panda spelt like panda P N D A panda 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 panda. Uh, so that one's for 13 hours, and then you can do a custom one where you can kind of set your own time length. So if you want to kind of ease into it, you can kind of set your own fasting times and uh, do your thing that way. And then you can set your timer direction. So there's a time going up, going up. Jesus, I'm going through puberty on this podcast. Christ. Um, or counting down. I prefer going up. That's the default. And then you can just switch, you know, you have notifications, notify me when I reach my goal, notify me to remind me. Um, you can export your data. And then what they have is a lot of FAQs and editorial content that they link out to. So if you want to read about it, there's tons and tons of articles and they answer some of the most frequent questions about fasting, um, which is like night eating, manual adjustment, how you save your data, things like that. Um, but they have a whole other section on their main home screen on the top right. It's a science kind of a weak title in my opinion, but you get the point. And that's where they link you out to all kinds of articles about fasting, health benefits, uh, medical research that's out there so far, what isn't out there so far, so you can really make a decision on whether you want to do this or not. And then the last part of the app is uh, below all of your progress and your stop, start fasting button. It'll give you a bunch of data for your past week. So it'll say the last seven fasts, it'll have bar chart kind of outlining how long you went each day in the past seven-day windows, kind of like looking at the weather. And then they'll have a log where it'll say each day and the duration in minutes and hours, and then you'll they'll have an edit tool which gives you the ability to edit your time. Um, so you can cheat if you want, but this is really for you. So if you want to cheat on your times, it's kind of pathetic so that's, you know, I I prefer to have flexibility and allow myself to edit the times um, than vice versa. However, what is a little bit buried and not obvious to me, and the biggest use case for editing is you start your fast and then you realize you want to eat this thing and then you eat it and then you have to stop it, then you have to delete and then you have to start again, which sucks. That's a sucky user flow that I thought was what, you needed to do until I realized there's this tiny, tiny, tiny little pencil tool next to your start time on the main section next to your progress bar, your ticker, and your uh, start-stop button. Um, I get the design is very light, very kind of like peaceful calming they're going for the same kind of aesthetic that that calm app that lebron james uses is going for but to me the problem was i did not see that edit pencil until i was like two weeks into using the app and i didn't realize that i could on the fly adjust my start time for the fast that i'm actively in um so to me that's one design flaw maybe i'm just an idiot and didn't see it 
I don't know, but I designed these things for a living and I missed it for two weeks. So to me, that's somewhat validating as kind of an issue. Um, the main reason why I didn't see it, I think, is because they're using um, a pen tool, like an icon of a, of a pencil, but it's just the border of the pencil. It's not even filled in. So it really doesn't stand out at all. It's just the small outline of a pencil next to the start time, which to me is a, it doesn't hit hard enough for you to notice it. Plus those pencils by themselves when they're not bunched together in like a form field kind of thing um, tend to look hidden, particularly if it's the same color as all the other content that is not editable because it's just a white border of a pencil next to a white uh, clock start time and then also next to your goal time, which is also just a white um, time, basically. So it's all white. There's nothing special about the pen tool that stands out, and it's less noticeable than the numbers because it's a border. It is not a fill. I'm getting in the weeds here on the UX side of things right now, but this is what I like to do. I like to geek out about the stuff. And look, I know when it comes to podcasts, people have very low patience for people blabbling about shit they know nothing about. I do that on this podcast too much. I think that's why I have seven viewers on this thing or seven subscribers. Um, so what I'm trying to do this year as a goal is talk about things that I actually know about. I've either tried myself or I'm actually an expert in. And when it comes to this user experience stuff, you know, I've been a professional for five years now. I go to work every day and do this stuff. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go a little more in the weeds here on these things just to kind of give you guys a little bit of insight if you are not that familiar with user experience design. Um, end rant. End rant for going in the weeds on this. Um, but the only other thing I'll say is, so I talked about that pencil, right, and how I didn't find it for two weeks because I didn't see it because of all the reasons I just outlined However, I did see the edit pencils in the log at the bottom of the page because those pencils are a different color than the times in the duration column. So, for example, there's two columns. One says started, and then the other one says duration. So it'll say started, and it'll say fry, like Friday 1-4, so January 4th. Duration, 19 hours, 4 minutes. Um, yeah, that was a big fast. It's a lot easier to fast on weekends because you sleep in, so that tallies up those hours. So 19 hours, 4 minutes. And then there's another column to the right with no header, no title, but just a bunch of pencils. But the pencils are turquoise, so the pencils stand out because there's, no there's no turquoise anywhere else on the application. However, the top part, the reason why that pencil is white is because it's overlaid on a gradient that is turquoise and blue. So there's like this tealish, bluish, greenish, turquoise-ish gradient at the top to make things look peaceful and calming and nice, etc. But the problem with that is you've kind of boxed yourself in because the only color that's going to have perfect contrast at this point is either black or white. And having a black pencil tool here would look weird because all the headers are black, so the goal 16 hours above the time ticker, the start above your start time, and the goal above your goal time are all black. 
but the actual times themselves are white. But black and white are the only two colors that will have any real contrast because they went with a gradient colored background. See, these are the little issues you run into when you start designing apps. And uh, that is why certain things get missed. And it's tough. It's a trade-off. Do I want this thing to look better aesthetically? And then they maybe miss one little feature like editing your start time. Or do I make it more utilitarian, make it a tad less um, pretty, but make it more usable? And when you talk to UX designers, they're always going to say, oh, make it more usable, duh. I used to think that too, but now I kind of disagree. I think it depends on your demographic. I think it depends on user understanding of what most likely is going to be the main way people use the app, how often they're actually editing these times. And you make a decision based on that. Um, it's not as black and white as always make it more usable. I used to think that big time, and I think a lot of UX people would think I'm a moron for saying that, but I don't really give a shit. Because now I think about these things more like a business owner rather than like a usability expert or usability champion or whatever and i'm realizing you know you gotta get downloads for these things you gotta make this thing look good on first use you gotta um make the app's core flows as simple as possible and if one feature that people might want to use or might need to use gets buried a little bit so be it figure it out later look i discovered that two weeks later and I'm still using it now. And it didn't piss me off that much. But it was the one thing that I missed. Um, but overall, I think it's a good app. I think if they gave some more feedback on how I'm doing, you know, over the past week or so, should I switch up how I fast? Should I, is it too many hours, too little hours? You know, if they had more of that kind of data, I think that would make it a little bit better. But overall, I think it's a, it's a good MVP of an app. Um, it's not as fleshed out as other apps like the app I'm about to get to in a second. But overall, it is very easy to use. The main use case, which is just hitting a button to start and hitting another button to stop, is as easy as can be. It looks visually appealing. And it's kept me honest for all these reasons. Because I just look at my data over the week constantly. Even if I don't go that in depth with it, I'm not like trying to pick out patterns of how long I'm fasting and try to pick apart and analyze everything. I don't do that, but I do like to look at my past week. I think it's a pretty cool idea, and it's kept me honest because when you hit that button, there's something psychologically when you hit that start button, you feel obligated. It's so much more intense than if you just finish eating dinner. It's like, all right, I'm fasting now, and that's it. You will, if you're like me and you're just a weak, weak human being that's used to getting your food delivered to you through Seamless or Postmates or whatever, um, a lot of nights and you get lots of takeout and you like to cook, but cooking's an experience and it's fun and all that stuff. Basically a weak-minded millennial who's overly hedonistic, you're not going to be disciplined enough to do it without this thing. And this thing really works. It really works. I've been doing it for three months. 
and I've pretty much not broken a day other than Christmas Eve where I had to go to Long Island and eat a big Italian lunch dinner with my girlfriend's family and then come back home and eat a big Italian another dinner with my next door neighbor. So that day went a little rough. But other than that, I've been pretty damn good with it. And that's surprising coming from me. Now, the other app that's way more popular, so I'm going to go less in depth on because so many people use it, is MyFitnessPal. MyFitnessPal is an application that I think was bought by Under Armour that is basically a lot more fleshed out, a lot busier, a lot more um, functional, but it's for tracking your calories and hit your goals every day. So when you first do the app, when you first open it, download it, they ask for your height, your weight, your age, all that, and then what your goal is as far as adding weight, losing weight, what have you. Um, what you're ultimately trying to achieve, which is really nice. And they give you a goal calorie amount for that goal. There's also a premium version, which I don't have, so I don't know what the premium has. So premium, just get. there's no ads, so this thing has ads, which kind of sucks, but I get it. And then they have exclusive, so I'm just, I just hit the premium button just to see. Priority customer support, exclusive content. They have a lot of articles on their homepage, so I guess it's more articles. View all your weekly digests so you can look at your like macros and micros and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you can look at your macronutrients by gram, food analysis, quick add macronutrients, macronutrients by meal. So a lot more macro stuff. So if you're trying to like body build and get all your macros well balanced and get that lean mass on, that might be helpful. But I don't know if this thing, I don't know how many bodybuilders actually use all that or they just do it themselves. There's also plan personalization, different goals by day, exercise calorie settings, nutrition, nutrition, nutrient dashboard, and calorie goals by meal. All right, so they give you a bunch of stuff. I don't know how much of it's actually that useful. None of it's really uh, hooking me right now. But basically, with my fitness pal, once you have your goal going on the free version, at least your homepage will basically be a feed of you know, much like a Twitter feed or more like, I guess, a Facebook feed. It'll have a bunch of articles. So like three top, top fitness tips for older adults, five science-backed solutions for a healthy lifestyle. They seem to be pretty generic. They're not really personalized to you, um, but good nonetheless. And then they'll have updates like on your progress. So I logged in 40 days in a row. Hooray. So I'll give you that. Um, and then at the top, there's a food, exercise, remaining equation. So it's like your goal is 2,110 calories. And then there's it's like an equation. And then minus zero food plus zero exercise equals 2,110 calories remaining. And then the main use case for this app is as you go along, there's a big plus button at the bottom in the tab bar which is like the bottom bar of all your options. And then there's status, water, food, exercise, weight. So this is to change any of those things or add any of those things. I pretty much only hit the food button because for me this is just a way to track what I'm eating in a day. And that's how, from what I've seen from all the YouTube vlogs I've seen of like uh, fitness guys using it, um, people I've talked to that have used it, like family, friends, most people just 
hit the food button. So you hit the food button and then you get an option for breakfast, lunch, dinner. So you hit lunch and then it'll take you to a lunch page. And then you search for the food you want. They have a lot of uh, foods if they're by major brands or even from major restaurants, um, which is interesting. But it's all it's all user-generated data. So this is just from users putting all this stuff in. It's not like they did it. Um, and I used I tried using this app years ago, and I hated it for that reason. They had like a few foods, but most of the stuff you had to enter in manually yourself. I'm like, what's the point? Since then, their their user-generated database has gotten a lot more vast. So now it's actually a lot more useful because now they built up this database. Um, so you can just type in whatever you're eating, and there's a good chance it'll show up, or if it doesn't show up, something very similar shows up. Honestly, this whole app is about ballparking. It's not really about getting an exact uh, caloric measurement. So what I do is, like, I'll order a burrito bowl from the local chain here in Brooklyn that I go to. Um, chain. There's there's two restaurants. Barely a chain. But I'll get a burrito bowl from them. And then I'll just look for the Chipotle version of the same bowl. And I'll put that in as the bowl. You're never going to get the exact calorie amount. But it's all about finding things that work as a pretty good guess. And it's just to keep yourself honest. So you put in, you know, burrito bowl, you'll get a list of burrito bowls. And then what I do also is there will be, because it's user-generated data, a lot of the data is wrong. So there will be a wide net of calories for each food item. So there will be like a burrito bowl, 200 calories, kind of suspect, right? And then there will be one with like 1,200 calories. I usually go for either the most caloric one or if the most caloric one just seems way too crazy i'll do like the second or third most caloric one basically you just got to guess how many calories are in what you're eating and the easier way to be safe is to pick things with more calories um so you always pick i mean as a rule of thumb i mean always pick on the high side of the calories because then you're it's way more likely for you to either be accurate or be um under your caloric goal for the day if you pick the low calorie options then you might just be um dishonest with yourself and then if you're eating some weird shit that no one has in the database and this was probably the biggest ux pain point for me using this thing so far you can scroll all the way to the bottom of the results and you can do create a food quick ad i do quick ad i don't got time to punch in all the data on what the food is even though that would be the nice thing to do. I usually just do quick add, and then I read the label, if it has a label of the amount of calories, and I'll just put in the calories and just add that to my to my overall daily total. Um, that's how I use the app. I'm sure there's a lot more you can do with it. This is like one of the most popular fitness apps by far. And they, if you hit like progress or things like that, they'll give you your progress. If you hit more, it'll tell you how many pounds you've lost, etc. But I really just do this to track my food. I don't really take their data that seriously because a lot of it's ballparking. So when it comes to how much weight I've lost, I'll go to the scale myself at the gym and I'll use that to measure myself. I don't do it with this app.
because um, the data is kind of faked, but it's the best thing available to keep yourself honest. And when you combine that with the intermittent fasting app called Zero, so you can just look up on the App Store Zero, Google Play Store, and download that. It's a pretty f- powerful one-two combination, and it's the only thing in my life I've ever done where I've noticed obvious differences in my body due to these two apps. So if you're trying to lose weight for New Year, you know, that's like a really popular New Year's resolution, New Year, New Me, fitness gains, bruh. Um, I would definitely try intermittent fasting and download the Zero app and then the MyFitnessPal app, combine them, track your calories, and track your fasting progress. Um, But that might not be for everybody. So there are some other cool apps I've demoed in the past that could perhaps be better for your fitness needs. Um, So the one that I'm looking at right now and want to try eventually is called FitBod. And this is, for, this is for weightlifting, which is something I've been taking up over the last few months of 2018, which I plan to continue doing in 2019. And I don't know much about it. I just read about it recently, but it uses artificial intelligence to handle your lifting plans. And it'll basically create um, lifting plans for you based on your past workouts. And it'll push you to your limits based on what your goals are, what you suck at, what you're good at, um, what equipment's even available at your gym, etc. So it's kind of like a personal trainer just for weightlifting. That's a free app. Um, It looks very interesting. I haven't demoed this one yet. This is one that I want to demo, and I will be demoing soon, but that's one. Uh, Obviously, Fitbit, which is a little bit more than just an app, is a big deal. I've played with Fitbit I've used it a little bit here and there I've had several family members use it and it seems great um it seems great the only issue I have with Fitbit is in a place like New York in the middle of January where it's freezing you're really trying to minimize your outside time I feel like Fitbit is a lot easier if you're in a uh, place with good weather You can always go to the gym, go on the treadmill, um, or you can just stomp around at home, I guess. But both of those solutions seem pretty crappy. So if you're working at a day job, you're commuting, you have to take the subway or whatever. And then you come home, you go to the gym, or you don't go to the gym. And if you're nowhere near 10,000 steps, which is usually like the goal on Fitbit, that was at least my goal and everyone I know's goal, it's just really hard to achieve that naturally through walking when the weather's bad. New York, it's actually really easy to accomplish when the weather's good because New York is a big-time walking city. But it's also a big-time crappy weather city this time of year. So to me, Fitbit is something that's more of like a seasonable option um, because I don't want to go to the gym and then also do Fitbit. To me, that's like kind of silly. I feel like... The whole point of Fitbit is to make sure you're active naturally throughout the day and you're tracking how many steps you're taking throughout the day. But if you're nowhere near taking enough steps throughout the day because you live in a crappy place where you're not trying to walk or be outside, it just kind of kills it for me. But if you live in a good weather place or you like to just stomp around at home a lot, hey, 
more power to you. I think it is a great app. I think it's a great idea. It's just something that I need to move to do uh, every day. And I need to do something every day for it to be a habit. So that's Fitbit. Um, The other one is the Nike Run Club app. I've demoed this one too. It's really well designed. It's actually, what's crazy is Nike has this design language that they have across all of their apps. Because I've also had the Nike Sneaker Auction app. um, Like Nike Sneakers, S-N-K-R-S or whatever it is. And it feels a little, it's different, but it feels kind of the same. Like they use the same fonts, the same font sizes. And this is a totally different app for a totally different demo. This is not for sneaker heads at all. This is for fitness heads. So it's crazy how Nike has like two different apps that are two different things for two different demographics, but still have the same universal universal visual language going on. Um, so with this one, it's kind of like gamifying running. So you have your club, um, you have your leaderboard, you have it tells you like who has the most miles this month. And it gives you um, events and like a community section. But I think you basically, with this app, from what I remember, it's kind of like a running coach app um, and also like a fitness community app, essentially. So you have your runs tracked via GPS. So kind of like anything else, it's, it's it tracks your progress, keeps you honest. And then it also gives you, um, there's like some audio guides. So it'll guide your, you'll have like a like a fake running coach kind of giving you <clears throat> audio guided runs. Or uh, it also gives you personalized plans depending on where you're at. So it has something for the newbie and it has something for the more experienced runner. And it'll also help you meet your goals so if your goal is to build strength if your goal is to get faster if your goal is to be able to go longer um there's tools for each one of those types of pursuits and then they also have the community section and it also has all the stuff i talked about before the leaderboard etc and it also um it has a really cool interface it uses like that lime nike green that they use with their branding that to me is synonymous with Nike running and the progress you have is in huge font, big, bold. You're not going to miss it. And they also have cool things like a Spotify integration. So you can like listen to Spotify while you run and it's all being shown within the app. So that's the Nike app. Um, And then the other app that I think is really cool that I demoed recently is called Swarkit. And what that is, is basically a workout program app based on your needs and the amount of time that you input. So you could do a 40-minute workout, you can do a 3-minute workout, you can do a 10-minute workout, you can do a 20-minute workout, whatever time you have or you want to spend working out. And then you also pick the type of workout you want. So you can do cardio, you can do strength training, you can do, I think, yoga. Um, I think you can even do just, like, stretching. And they will give you a workout for that time and that type. And they'll have, like, a trainer person demo it in video form on your app so you can kind of see 
the correct form and everything. And it's basically, that's what it is. It's an on-demand workout app for your time that you're allotting to them and for the workout that you want to do. And they're giving you visual cues. So it's like on-demand. It's like on-demand workouts, basically. And there's been stuff in the past that's kind of been like this. There was that seven-minute workout app. I used to use that. Um, But I didn't really stick with it because it just seemed kind of repetitive. This is really cool because it's multiple types of fitness and you can customize the time and it gives you those visual cues. That seven-minute workout app was lacking the visual cues, but Swarkit has the visuals, which are really important because I've done way too many exercises with bad form. Over the break, I was using an easy curl bar, messed up my wrist. So one of the reasons why I haven't really been back in the gym yet is because I'm still getting over this like wrist sprain that I did over the break doing some uh, curls on a curl bar at home. So yeah, I have terrible form. So this is great for me. Um, so I, I demoed it recently just the other day, and I'm going to keep using this sucker and see if it helps me out. And uh, if I start to hate it or something, I'll let you guys know. But overall, I think Swarkit's a really cool on-demand workout app. Um, I think that's it for now. I could talk about a bunch of other apps that I know nothing about, and I'd just be lying and being disingenuous to you guys, so I don't want to do that. So those are the three apps that I've had some experience with on some level other than the um, FitBot app, which when I get back into the gym, I will definitely use, but it's on my radar. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for this week. Um, I'm trying to do less episodes where I just talk about subjects that are all over the place and have nothing to do with each other. There's some stuff in the tech world going on um but i'll just save it for another episode because i wanted this one to just be really focused about one specific thing which is the relationship and how technology can help you with your fitness goals and i just want to base it mostly off experience that i've had so far doing this stuff and if you're into it you know new year new you new year's resolution is to get fit maybe this will uh spark some interest and provide some value for you so i'm trying to in a new year have my episodes will be a little more centered a little more focused and hopefully in doing that a little more valuable um but we still might grow and we still might turn into something else i don't know but the main goal i had this year starting off here in january is to have these episodes be a little more focused a little less all over the place and a little more valuable to you um Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions, let us know. Let me know. Let us all know. There is another person affiliated with this podcast. So when I say let us know or hit us up, I'm not bullshitting and saying, like, hit us up and it's just me. Um, there is another person working on this, just so you know. So technically I'm right when you say when I say hit us up. Uh, so you can hit us up at NRS underscore show on Twitter or Instagram. Or email us at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Episode one of the new year in the books. Hope you guys have a great 2019. Hope you guys had a great end of 2018. And, uh, yeah. See you guys later. Peace.